It's good to be back with you. Last Sunday, I worshipped at a beautiful little parish in Oconomowoc, Wisconsin, uh, 13 miles, 1,300 miles from here. Uh, also, 1,300 degrees below zero when I woke up in the morning. Uh, the little parish was called Zion, Zion Episcopal Church. And uh, just like you here at Good Shepherd last week in Maitland sang a processional hymn, opened with the collect for purity, almighty God to you, all hearts are open, heard the same gospel reading from scripture about water being turned to wine, and the same passage from Corinthians about spiritual gifts. We heard a sermon that interpreted the passage for us, offered prayers from the same prayer book, and received the same Jesus as you in the consecrated bread and wine. And all over the country and throughout the world, our brothers and sisters in Christ did much the same. Whether St. Martin's in Houston or Church of the Advent in Boston or St. Paul's Cathedral in Oklahoma City or St. Anne's in Nairobi, we lifted our prayers as one body, a body knit together by the same Holy Spirit. If you think about it, this is an awesome reality, especially given that individuality has come to be the defining characteristic of our society. Now, I don't mean in any way to degrade the value and beauty of who we are as individuals. God did not make any mistakes in crafting us as unique creatures. But the world we live in tends to exalt the individual at the expense of community. We've come to believe that the chief purpose of life is cultivating personal authenticity, finding ourselves by looking inward and expressing what we find inside of us however we can. As as Kayla, the middle school protagonist of the recent film, Eighth Grade, says, what's the point if you're not being yourself? I love how the Bible offers us a different way to embrace our individuality in and through community in and through community and as we'll see a christian perspective doesn't downplay the unique gifts and contributions of the individual but it reshapes how we see the purpose of our distinctiveness saint paul writes to the corinthians now you are the body of christ and individually members of it it's worth noting that he says you're first the body of Christ, a a plurality of persons knit together as a community. And you're also individuals. There's, There's an easy way to remember this. The church is not a me, but a we. We said this before. Let's say it together again. The church is not a me, but a we. In no other religion do you have family, even biological families don't have this, in every part of the world. Friends, we have family in every part of the world. That's amazing because we are knit together by the same Christ and the same Holy Spirit. When you put your your trust, when a person places their trust in Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God takes residence in them and, and knits you together with every follower of Jesus throughout the world in Alberta, Canada, in South Sudan, in South Wales, in Afghanistan, in China, everywhere. And nothing else in all of creation can create that kind of unity. Can create that kind of community, a global community. Um, our right one, we don't do this in here, but in the chapel on Saturday nights we do. Our right one post-communion prayer gets at this idea with literary beauty. It says this, 
we are very members in corporate in the mystical body of thy son, the blessed company of all faithful people. Beautiful. And the consequence of, of being filled with the spirit of God is that you are given unique gifts for the sake of building up the church and spreading the kingdom of God in the world. Each and every one of you in this room today has been given unique gifts to serve the church in the world. Do you believe that God has placed gifts in you that are singularly unique? Let's look at our reading from 1 Corinthians to, to hear more about this. What, what is the issue that St. Paul is addressing in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12? He's, Paul is always writing his letters contextually. There's always a story going on in the community that Paul is, is addressing. And uh, what was happening in Corinth... They had experienced as a, as a new, as new followers of Jesus an outpouring of the Holy Spirit and inevitably spiritual gifts were manifesting and some people were able to speak in tongues that they did not know naturally. And what happened was that that spiritual gift got exalted as the best one because let's face it, if you could speak in a tongue that was not naturally known to you, surely you were a more spiritual person than everyone else. And so what happened was the result was that the church began to establish an unspoken hierarchy based on the spiritual gifts of its members. So some could claim, well, such and such is my gift. Therefore, I belong to a higher class of Christian. Today, it might look like this. I'm on the vestry. Uh, so I'm not really, uh, I'm not really a part of what goes on in the nursery or with the volunteers in there, uh, because let's, let's be honest, it's a little bit of a different thing. Let's be honest. By the way, there's no greater spiritual gift than being able to work in the nursery. So just, I'll leave that at that, especially when my kids are in there. <laughs> so, so St. Paul asks the Corinthians to think about the absurdity of one body member claiming it doesn't belong to the body of of which it is a part. He's a picture metaphor guy, right? And so he's actually being pretty funny here if you think about it. So he says this, if the foot would say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body. He says, that is absurd. That's absurd. That doesn't make it any less of the part of the body because it says that. You can't set yourself apart because you have a different spiritual gift than everyone else. This is one body. And it's antithetical to Christian unity to think that you're out here doing your own thing as an individual. Friends, if we fail to recognize the diversity of gifting among us or we elevate one person's abilities or gifts over another, we fail to recognize and honor the work of God through us as a community. See, in God's eyes, the preacher who stands in the pulpit and the person who stands and greets people at the front door and the the elderly lady who who gives a a portion of her social security check to the church and prays for members by name in the quiet of her home on a daily basis are all equal. They're all equal. So no one should say, I contribute a lot more than others because of my gifts and abilities. And on the other hand, no one should say, my contribution is so small. It doesn't really matter. If we don't see our brothers and sisters in Christ and all of their diversity as co-equal contributors to the work of God's kingdom, we can easily fall into the trap of an individualism that sees the church as a place to realize our own dreams and goals rather than a place intended for the flourishing of the community. 
In the 1930s in Germany, there was a, a, a young theologian and pastor named Dietrich Bonhoeffer who was a part of the confessing church. That were, those were the churches who would not swear their allegiance to Hitler and the pro-Nazi party. And so they were doing a lot of their work underground, if you will. And Dietrich Bonhoeffer was teaching at different seminaries that were kind of hidden little enclaves of, of pastors being raised up for ministry. And so he knew what it looked like to live in close quarters with other Christians, and he knew all of the ugliness that that entailed as people struggled to love one another in Christ. And he wrote this based on his experience, experiences in Christian community. Those who love their dream of Christian community more than the Christian community itself become destroyers of the Christian community. All right, read that one more time just in case you didn't catch it. Those who love their dream of the Christian community more than the Christian community itself become destroyers of the Christian community. See, if we give ourselves to our culture's approach to individuality, we'll put our individual interests over and above our community. What's the point if you're not being yourself? This kind of mindset can only destroy and break down the community that God builds and intends to build among us. Now, St. Paul goes on and he says this, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. That is, God has imparted his spirit to everyone who belongs to Christ and gives each person something that can be used for the good of the community, to build it up, to lead people closer to Jesus, to provide healing, to provide for material needs. And so some people end up with gifts of prayer and some gifts of healing and some of charity and some of hospitality and some of teaching and some of working in the nursery and some of giving assistance. And the list goes on and on and on. You see, the lists of spiritual gifts in Scripture are not meant to be exhaustive. They're just a sampling of the many uh, in diverse ways that God pours out his imagination and his creativity throughout his church. I love this because... It's so completely countercultural. It's so contradictory to an individualistic consumer mindset. Here's what I mean by that. Have you ever heard someone say, I'm church shopping? Oh. <laughs> Have you ever thought about that phrase? Have we ever taken a minute to think about that? Is it not a sign that we as a culture have been successfully conditioned to think of church as just another consumer product? or experience, a weekly event that is primarily for us to meet some individual need. Uh, people say when they're church shopping, they say things like, we like the preaching, but the kids' programs weren't good enough. Or we, the, the kids' programs were really great, but the pastor was kind of boring. You see, and we turn it into a kind of uh, customized shopping experience. And scripture draws us back to the reality that church is not about what we get, but about what we give or rather, what God gives to his community through us. And unlike the modern Western mindset of advancing yourself and prioritizing the fulfillment of your personal desires or making personal authenticity the be-all, end-all of your identity, followers of Jesus are to embrace their communities in all of their ugliness and all of their shortcomings and invest their resources and time and spiritual gifts into that community. This is the beauty of a small local parish. It's a beautiful opportunity to do this and to grow healthy and to have an impact for the kingdom. And only when we do that will we become the individuals 
that God created us to be. Only when we embrace the community will we become the individuals God created us to be. Well, what's that look like in practice? Let's just look at two things before we close. The first is worship. Because of our cultural conditioning, we tend to view worship as a private, individualized experience. We do. We, we come and we think, well, I, I'm here as an individual singing some songs with some other individuals who happen to be singing around me. And to receive some information from the sermon that I can apply to my personal life. And if anything disrupts that experience, or it's not always as I hope it will be, it's not worth coming. Time to, sh- time to keep shopping. See, what we don't consider is that the hassle of getting out of bed on a cold, rainy Sunday morning, making some breakfast, wrangling the kids and getting them out the door, standing and kneeling and singing songs, even ones that we don't love, listening to sermons that we don't love, is actually spiritual formation, even if we don't feel like we're getting anything out of it. Romans chapter 5 says, endurance produces character. See, we underestimate the work of the Holy Spirit upon us in the ordinary, embodied acts of worship that that force us as we come in between these four walls and to just slow down and to be with God and each other. We underestimate what the Holy Spirit does through that. Learning to not only bear, but value the person whose voice you can't stand or who dresses and votes differently than you. Praying the liturgy, even when it's hard to focus. Walking up and receiving Jesus in the bread and wine, week in and week out is forming us in ways of which we are not even aware. The author of Hebrew writes this, Do not neglect to meet together, as is the custom of some, but encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Corporate worship is central to Christian individuality. Corporate worship is central to Christian individuality. The second thing is this, cultivating spiritual gifts. There's a fable about a wealthy farmer, some of you may have heard this before, who owns a great amount of land and animals. He's got everything he needs, all set for life. And he meets this Buddhist monk who tells him about diamonds and how valuable they are. And the farmer becomes greedy and he asks, how can I find these diamonds? And the monk tells him, you have to take a journey to the mountains and search diligently for them. They lie uncovered alongside a magical brook. And so the farmer sells all of his property and his possessions to take this great journey to find these valuable diamonds. But after years of searching, he finds nothing. And so he's poor and he's desolate and he jumps into the ocean and ends his life. And one day, the guy who bought the farmer's property is out watering some of his camels in a brook. And he notices something shiny below the dirt on the ground. He picks it up, he blows off the dirt, takes it into town and shows it to his friend. And his friend says, that is a diamond, my friend. And he goes back and discovers that it's one of thousands. There's fields of them everywhere, right there on the old farmer's land the whole time. That's what spiritual gifts are like in the church. They are here among us, in us, and we don't even realize it. Why is that? Perhaps perhaps the endless inundation of choices and experiences and products the world constantly throws at us is keeping us distracted from the power of God that lies dormant in each of us. I think that's part of it. 
but the essential. In fact, the only way to discover and use our gifts is by seeking the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit has been called, for good reason, the red-headed stepchild of the Trinity, because we often forget that he is a divine member of the Godhead. But if we lose our focus on God, the Holy Spirit, which is the personal presence of the Father with us, we will be devoid of the power God desires to manifest in us to accomplish his purposes. Jesus told his disciples, you, although you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children when they ask. How much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? What a promise. What a promise. Lydia's birthday was Friday. She turned three, canceled the party because of sickness, unfortunately. But she received a few gifts in the mail from family members. And uh, she gravitated towards one or two of them. And so uh, we put another one away in the cabinet for a rainy day. And she, of course, completely forgot about it. In fact, I'm sure she'll probably never remember that there was another gift. Church, that's what happens to the Holy Spirit. We put him into hiding and then forget that he is there waiting to be opened like a gift, to work through us in ways beyond what we could ask or imagine. St. Paul writes at the end of our passage today, strive for the greater gifts. That is, seek the work of the Holy Spirit to stir up new things in you, things you maybe have never experienced before, and maybe some things that just need to be dusted off, diamonds. And if we're open to what God wants to do in us, we will discover unknown diamonds in the fields here at Good Shepherd. Church, it's a new year, and I am eager to see the Lord bring out the amazing and unique gifts that he has brought each of you and placed in you to further the reach of the gospel. And I want us this year to be praying as a community for the Holy Spirit to manifest in our midst, to to unite us, in deeper ways, to form our identities in this local community and to reignite the flames in each of us that will enable us to bless each other and to make Jesus known to the world around us. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we often neglect the work of your Holy Spirit because we do not ask for it. We ask that you would change that. Lord, make us open to what you would do in our midst and the quiet gifts and the louder gifts through the feet and the toes and the heads and the arms of your body. Build us up, Lord, as a community. Inspire in us, ignite the flames in us of the Holy Spirit that would fan out and spread the gospel in our community and in our surrounding communities and neighborhoods. I ask for every individual in this room, Lord, that you would begin to reveal and unfold Uh, before their lives, the gifts that you have given them to bless your church and the world. All this we ask in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.